You're listening to a podcast brought to you by international law firm Trowers and Hamlins, combining market sector thought leadership, advice, and ideas, helping businesses and governments prepare for the future. Hello and welcome to this latest podcast from Charles and Hamlin Solicitors in celebration of our 10-year anniversary in Birmingham. I'm Fiona Thompson, Head of Real Estate at Charles in Birmingham, and I'm very pleased today to welcome Richard Smith, Joint MD of Opus Land, to discuss his views on the industrial development market in the Midlands and how it's changed over those last 10 years. So welcome, Richard. Um, perhaps I can ask you to say a little bit more about yourself and Opus Land before we get into our discussion. Well, firstly, thank you, Fiona. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And it was good to talk to you. I've been in this business a long time, uh, longer than I'm actually going to tell you, I think, given my <laughs> years. But Opus has been going 20 years. Before that, I ran a business called Grendel Smith & Duncan, a well-known commercial surveying firm in Birmingham and Leeds. Opus has been going 20 years. And inevitably, we've had our ups and downs, tend to tie in with recessions, etc. In the last few years, obviously, given that we've been concentrating on the industrial or shed market, as we call it, things have been surprisingly good for us. Um, For the first time in my life, I'm in the right sector of the property business, namely sheds, and I'm in the right area, namely the Golden Triangle of the Midlands which is where the demand for sheds is at a higher level than many other areas in the UK. Lovely, yes. I mean, we know that that London always claims to have the, the most activity, but I think certainly in the industrial market, we compete very well against the London market. And I think the Midlands really does have a, a, a primary position in, in that. So going back to our 10-year theme of this podcast, you, know, you and I have been working together for a lot longer than, than 10 years. But if I look back to 10 years ago and the sorts of things that we would have been thinking you, you've about... You've aged better than I have, Fiona. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I wish that were true. Thank you. <laughs> I just think back to the sorts of things that we've been thinking about on deals 10 years ago and the things that might have concerned us or the occupiers that were going to occupy the buildings that you were developing. And, and you know, it was all about Brian standards, land supply, of course, rents, changes in lease terms, those sorts of things... What would you say have been the, the principal changes in the last 10 years? In the last 10 years? Well, demand has got to be the biggest change. All of a sudden, we've got sheds going up everywhere and we can't build enough of them. So that's the biggest change. You used to build a shed. You used to build... Uh, you looked high wire and handsome for your occupier. If you couldn't find them, and quite often you couldn't, you decided to do a bit of spec. Then eventually you got them away. Um, now they're beating down the door. I can't wait to get in. There literally are not enough sheds going up. The, the absorption rate is massive, uh, bigger than it's ever been. I think I was hearing the stat the other day, and I think this is across the UK, that this year 20 million square feet of space, shed space have been let, have been occupied. Um, and in the last three months, that was 15 million of it. Goodness, that's huge, isn't it? So it's hugely de-risked the market, hasn't it? In hugely de-risked the market. Yeah. But of course, undoubtedly, we've had to... We were starting to think about Bream longer than 10 years ago, actually. Indeed, yeah. We were starting to think about sustainable issues. But it's only in the last few years that's really taken off. And I think, and, and, and indeed, over the last two years, ESG has been a, a total game-changer, really. Everybody has to consider their ESG credibilities and that is beginning to make a big difference to sheds it was always thought on sheds it was difficult to get a decent sustainability rating 
but it's not. Um, and we're achieving that more and more. Uh, we're making our buildings more and more efficient, far more sustainable. We're also making them prettier, I think. We're making them nicer places to occupy. Which so is an important part of the ESG. It's not just about the E, is correct. it? It's about the, the S part correct. of that. And, and the way society occupies a building. Yeah, I was reminded only oh, three, four months ago, I went to look at a, a very old manufactory in the black country that sort of came straight out of the Victorian times. Uh, where people were still working. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, how can anybody work in here? And immediately after that, I went to one of our new developments in the black country just down the road. Even though it's not in the nicest part of the black country, it's in the very successful part of the black country, but not the nicest part of the black country, I felt an awful lot better very quickly. Decent offices, decent light, airy shed, all the facilities there, landscaping, everything that you never used to see. Big change, really, big changes there. And, and it, you know, it's having a massive impact on employees, um, where they want to work. Employers are getting better talent if they produce these buildings that, that attract the talent in. So and it, it's all good. Do you think it's being driven by the investors or by the occupiers, or is it a, a good combination of both? I think it's a combination of both. I think the occupier is demanding a better working environment. Mm. I think the investor is realizing in order to keep his investment value up, he must provide that product. So it's being provided by both sides and driven by developers as well, driven by responsible developers who want to improve their product, who want to improve the space in which people work for the benefit of all. So I think it's a market move generally that all the players in the market moving that way. And I think it's it's very laudable, but for you as a developer, how are you actually doing that? How are you making that cost effective and, and, and a commercially sensible thing for you to do? Because in a market like this, we've got rising rents, we've got rising freehold prices, um, we've of course got rising land values that go with it. And most recently, and only in the last couple of months, we've got rising construction costs especially on the materials side of the fence. We've got major issues at the moment on the construction side. We've seen construction prices rise something between 15 and 20% in the last two to three months. But we've got rising prices, rising rents to go with it. So it's balancing it out at the moment. And land prices were reaching quite a high level. So I think they'll maybe level off a bit. But the market's still very strong. Demand's still there. So people will pay. And on top of that, for some reason in the Midlands market, we don't seem to get rental and price growth unless we force it or something forces it upon us. I don't know why that is, but it's true. And it's very true of the Midlands market. And I think it is being forced on us at the moment. And I think that's good. And I think people are perfectly prepared to pay more for the right product. It's very rarely now that, in fact, it's not at all, where we will consider an office building within a shed that is not air conditioned. Only three, four years ago, we were still putting radiators in. Indeed. So it, it really has changed. The quality of the buildings has improved yeah. enormously. Yeah, and yeah. as you say, at the moment, values and rents are supporting those. The demand's there. Demand's there. And, and, and we've put the market so much wider. The shed is the new shop. So a shed now fulfills three roles. It fills the traditional warehouse. It's the new shop and 
that is fueling most of the extra demand. But it's also, we have our industrial and manufacturing base back again. We're starting to produce in the UK again. So we've got a manufacturing market as well. So we've got three markets to go at that take our sheds from us. So it's a massively increased market. So the, the change, particularly in the retail market, has had a significant impact on the industrial market because of the warehousing element of That's industrial. It. I think most people that are within the uh, real estate industry are sceptical about whether retail will ever go back to where it used to be and that we are left with the, the situation we have where there's a lot of online shopping, a lot of warehousing. But at what point do we reach that ceiling where it can go no further and then what happens next and how do you see that impacting you as an industrial shed developer the general view is that the shed market has got a long way to go yet but for the foreseeable in inverted commas future the demand will outstrip supply so we're most likely talking at least five years which, which kind of brings me on to the next thing that you and i have talked about over the last 10 years a lot and that is the difficulties around land supply when you're looking at industrial development because the, the very nature of industrial development means that you need a lot of land. Yeah, um, we, don't, we don't build land, no. You don't build land, sadly, uh, yeah. and land supply has been a, an ever-increasing problem as more and more of it is built. So that problem has increased over the last 10 years. It would be nice to explore how we think those land supply problems might be rectified at least to some degree. Obviously, we've got prospect of further planning reform, people being innovative around refurbishments or repurposing of previous sites. How do you see that moving forward and, and creating a better opportunity for industrial development? I think multiplication of, and I'm not talking about mixed use per se, I'm talking about previous uses of sites where shed development on the edge of them had never been considered before, where maybe they were turned into residential. I'll give you an example of that would be airfields. We have a number of airfields in this country which are beginning to find their uses again with drone technology and aeronautical manufacturing, where we've got masses of acres of land around airfields that can be developed. Um, that's just one example. We've, of course, got brownfield. There's still a lot of brownfield land about. For every new shed, there's an old one that still needs knocking down. There's still a load of old sheds about. I think we've also got a realisation generally across the Midlands that we do need more employment land. And employment land means shed land. So there will be land being released. That doesn't suit a lot of people. But would you prefer a sea of houses or would you prefer an employment area? Or a nice combination of the two, which is something yeah. we need to yeah. see more of. We know yeah. that there yeah. is a big focus on making sure that people are properly housed, yeah. and I think that's you know it's an essential. Yeah. But we need to make sure that that housing is close to areas of employment, correct? So that we've got sustainable transport, we've got yeah, communities correct. that 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 work and work together properly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yes, in, including employment land with residential land going forward as a, a as a, a, a complete and, and, and thinking this multi-use facility. What yeah. else could we, you know, an airfield's one example of many where large tracts of land are used for a purpose. Could be universities. Mm-hmm. Could be all sorts of things where shed development can go on the edge of them. Um, So I I think there will always be a supply of land coming through, but I think it's fair to say that most of the local authorities and the LEPs in this area 
are thinking about where they can get land released for employment purposes. Almost more now than they're thinking about how they're going to fill their residential quotas. Because most of them have sort of dealt with that. So they've now got to do the employment side. Which is really encouraging. But yeah. whilst we I still know, I know there's a big there's a big anti in the country about you know taking up further land in this small country of ours. But in fact, only the other day I was coming back, I won't say where, I was coming back through an area of the country I hadn't been for a long time. And I was amazed at just how much, just how many green areas we do still have actually that nobody's ever going to touch. So there's a, we've got enough land, we can find the land. But, but for those that are concerned about those green spaces and us not building on every available green space, how realistic is refurbishment and repurposing of buildings rather than sites like an airfield quite, in commercial quite, town? Quite difficult, actually. As an example, there was a recent sale of a large 15-year-old warehousing facility uh, close to Coventry that concluded on a site of some 60 acres. It was only built 15 years ago as a B8 warehousing use. Um, the occupier went bust. It's been sold and that shed is coming down. It's being rebuilt. It's a big shed. Okay, there was a bit more land than you could develop on more land than the building was on. But nonetheless, there was felt to be no merit at all in keeping the shed that was only 15 years old. Far better to knock it down and start again. So is there any reuse of materials or is, is that level yes, of is. Yeah, of course there not is. actually Yeah, there is and there isn't. I mean, yes, on steel and there's always value in scrap. Um, and yes, it is it is used. Cladding's that's a difficult one. So yes, there is, but I'm yeah, refurbishments are I think limited. I think the market's moved on, I think the buildings have moved on, I think the market demands better, and refurbishment is not normally possible in my opinion. I'm just wondering about multi-level buildings as a solution to the land mm -hmm. problem, particularly in high density areas. Yeah. How, how viable is that and how much do you think I, that's going to be a growth area? I, I think it is a growth area. I do think it's viable. I think at the moment it's very much for the owner for the for the for the occupational requirement, in other words, specific to the occupier. Amazon are into very much into three-story sheds now. Um, but you'd still be a brave man to build one spec. But I think in the future, that may well change. Particularly in higher density areas. We, we, we can Not see just that. in higher density areas. I mean, remember, right. the new Amazon model is building up to, is it now one and a half million square feet on three levels? You know, they're big sites. Even on one level, that's a big plate. I think it will increase. I think it will become spec acceptable. Most likely within a couple of years, I think you'll start to see spec developments in multi-storey buildings, which takes you back to the original. They were called depositories, weren't they? <laughs> that is taking you back. We go back more than 10 years, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, there are, you know, if you go into Edmund Street in Birmingham, the which is it, 131 Edmund Street, that was original depository, wasn't it? A lot of those, a lot of those converted office blocks in the centre of Birmingham were depositories in bygone times and yeah, we're yeah, moving yeah. Full, full circle and wanting that yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. again albeit not in the city centre and I think that, that, no, you're not going to want them in the city centre <laughs> it's going to be on the edge but yeah it is going backwards I don't think we'll will we ever get to 10 stories I don't think so somehow I think that might be pushing it a bit far 
No, but it's interesting, isn't it, how much the way you develop an industrial building has changed mm -hmm. in, in literally such yeah. a short space of time. As yeah. Well. It, it, and it's also the difference between a need for racking and a need for just storage area. Amazon are a prime user of multi-storey, principally because most of the stuff they stock is small and has to be easily picked and be moved vertically very easily. There are other parts of the storage business where, you know, it's large pieces of kit and you're not going to be able to move them between floors very easily. And advances in technology have, have meant yeah. that, that they can do that with relative ease. And of course, that was pushed along far more quickly by COVID. And that's the thing we've all been talking about for the last 18 months. And, and we rather forgot other things in the market that had been at the, the top of our agenda. And of course, I'm referring to Brexit. And it'd be interesting to know what your view is on how much Brexit has contributed to changes in the market already, and then how you see that going forward uh, mm. in terms of our manufacturing industry and, and industrial developments that flow out of that? There is no doubt about it that Brexit creates a need for more sheds in that people need to store more here and they need to manufacture more here. There's no doubt about that. I only hope to God that they find enough labour to actually work within these sheds that are required because our big problem at the moment is that, that most people from Eastern Europe who came over here and we effectively told them we didn't want them and they've gone home and getting labor on building sites, for instance, in restaurants, in hotels, for Amazon even, is becoming more and more difficult. And that worries me. Personally, I wasn't, I was very much pro-Europe, continue to be, but it's too late now. We've got to, we've got to look at what we've got. And as a country, we're not in a bad position to be fair. And so uh, thinking about some of the elements that people are more concerned won't stay in the UK. Now, we've got a very strong automotive industry, or we always have done historically, particularly in the Midlands. But there's talk about the fact that with the advancement of uh, electrical vehicles, EVs, and batteries potentially now being manufactured more in Europe than in the UK, that we could lose a lot of that. Do you expect that to impact to any degree mm -hmm. on what, what you're doing? No, no. Um, firstly, we're creating a network of gigafactories throughout the UK. First one in the northeast, um, second one hopefully in the Midlands, Coventry Airport, the site of Coventry Airport. It's just had a planning application submitted for the Midlands gigafactory, which is, I'm sure, will happen. Number three, I think the advancement of electric vehicles is somewhat overstated. I don't necessarily think that electric vehicles are the future. I think hydrogen technology will eventually take over from the electric vehicle movement or the battery movement. Hydrogen can power a conventional internal combustion engine and it can charge a battery. And I really do feel that's the way forward. Batteries are heavy. When they're built, there's an intense process in building them and you want to get rid of them when they're finally finished. They're not at all environmentally friendly. They're full of acid. Uh, one of the principal base materials required for battery manufacture is cobalt, most of which comes out of the Congo, out of third world labour, slave labour. There's a long way to go yet. And on top of that, what's the statistic? If 10% of the UK population were today to be driving electric vehicles, the national grid would go down most days. That's a worrying thought. So you're pretty confident that our Midlands automotive industry is, is still strong and, and here to stay and is going to continue to have a supply chain? Correct. Totally. Totally. 
So I, I've got a, a quite a good idea from our chat around what your views of the, the future are, and that there's been a lot of, of change already. Is there anything else you think might change for the industry in the next 10 years? We've had so many changes in life in the last two years, haven't we, really? We've um, We've had Brexit, then we had COVID. COVID suddenly went that our working practices changed. We all started to think about working at home more. And we're not talking about the office market, but I'm quite pleased that my office is in a, a leafy market town outside Birmingham where I, there isn't much public transport. That's pretty poor thought, isn't it? And that we're all supposed to be using public transport um, in order to make ourselves more sustainable. But if I worked in the middle of London and I had to go on a sweaty tube every day, I don't think I'd be a very happy man at the moment. I don't think I'd want to do that. That's another big change. How does that affect the shed market? I don't think it does, really. It might mean that the office base behind the shed gets smaller, where it's not a head office facility, say, in that there will be more remote working from those that can work remotely. I think remote working is here to stay. I think there'll be a swing back the other way, however. I think that there are difficulties with remote working. It's all very well if you can trust your staff as indeed I can, I'm very lucky to, to work as hard, if not harder from home as they did in the office, and most likely longer hours. It's not the same for everybody though, is it? An element of being at work in order to work still exists in the UK. Also, of course, the ability to talk to one's colleagues and to discuss how the world goes around and how you better your business. So yes, remote working is here to stay, but I think not at the level that some people think that it will be. I think we're going to find a balance again as we get back to normality. If indeed we ever do get back to normality, I do get a bit worried about it. But I'm pleased to see in the last few days that much though the infection rate is flying through the roof again, the death rate seems to be coming down again dramatically, which proves that maybe the government is on the right track here. Let's let's hope so. So that's changes as you see them for, in, for the industry. What about for you and for Opus in the next 10 years? What changes do you envisage there? I think it's very much the same, certainly on sheds. Um, we'll continue to look at all sectors of the market and continue to operate in it. We're currently building Cadence New HQ on Prosper at Anstey, 95,000 square feet, as well as doing a new office facility for them that you were involved in. I was in indeed. Hampton, um, of some 30,000 feet. Um, so we'll continue to look at offices where we can, but most of it will be sheds. As far as the business is concerned, obviously Victoria, my daughter, who comes back from maternity leave only in 10 days' time, will take an ever-increasing role, and hopefully I'll be able to take a slightly decreasing role so that I can afford to spend more time in my beloved Cornwall. But again, you know, that's that's been a change in the last year. I've actually found out I can go to Cornwall and work when I'm there. Although I'm still haven't worked out if that's a good idea or not. Quite a holiday home anymore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So no, other than that, the same. Keeping it small and lean. I think developers have to be small and lean. Markets can go wrong very quickly. We're into big bucks here, and um, if it goes wrong, big bucks eat away very quickly. It sounds actually very encouraging that the market is certainly on a, on a high at the moment, and no immediate prospect of of, of that going. And with the the diverse and successful things that you've been doing in the in the, the recent past hopefully that will continue in the future so richard thank you very much thank you for your insight and wisdom as always really nice to talk to you 
Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, uh, 10 years, um, congratulations to, to the business. And I hope it continues to grow and from strength to strength, yet remain the small personable practice that it currently is, um, giving excellent service. Thank you very much. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers and Hamlins. Find us at trowers.com and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.